want to get high, man. Let's stimulate your mind. Get up, Chucky. What have we got here? Fucking comedian. <laughs> Rojan Kim. Hello, and welcome to the Rojan Kim cast. It's me, Rojan Kim. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 236. It's 421. 21. Uh, the day after 420. Did you guys light it up? You guys light it up for 420? Did you blaze one up for Hitler's birthday? Did you blaze one up for the Deepwater Horizon disaster? <laughs> Did you blaze one up for Derek Chauvin or George Floyd or whatever side? I don't know how. You could be smoking weed for either side. Whatever. Did you light it up, guys? Did you light it up like an Antifa wanted to do, regardless of the verdict? It doesn't matter if he's guilty or innocent. You're all guilty. So you're all going down. Destroy. Let's destroy the United States. Why not? What could go wrong? Let's just destroy it all, guys. Or let's build something. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think is the better thing to do? Destroy or build? Of course, some things cannot be built unless they are destroyed. But we must always keep in mind that after revolution comes critical periods of strife, violence, chaos, until a new order is set. So these people have grand designs, grand plans of changing the status quo. I would love to see what comes next. Um, because as we know, all kinds of social engineering is always, uh, beneficial to humanity. Just look at the drug war, right? Just look at the war on terror. Look at the COVID fight. Look at how great we are. How how much better off, (laughs) how much better off we are. So yeah, Chauvin, guilty, guilty, guilty. Three counts going in, riot averted. Is this a case of mob rule is this a case of justice is this true justice is that i don't know we don't know we'll never know it's impossible i mean the jury wasn't sequestered uh, so they basically were on twitter like me so i mean everything about i know that's informed my opinion about what's going on is based on the news and based on social media and based on that. So I can honestly say that I don't know. I rightly don't know. Yes, we can all look at the video and look at it and then say, look at that. That's bad. That's what I have. Everybody did. But is it possible that there are there's more to one single piece of evidence? Is there is there possible? I mean, is it possible that there should be due process where someone is, I don't know, given a fair trial you know where he's presumed innocent until proven guilty by the state is that possible when there's video circulating everywhere when there's already commentary when court of public opinion has already made up its mind when threats of violence are circulating around when politicians are going out and saying let just be more confrontational if it doesn't go the way we want i mean is that really justice is there any way of separating the emotion from what's going on just like with trump dude when trump was being investigated for russiagate and the entire deep state was going through all of his shit um and the entire deep state was uh surveilling him surveilling people just trying to get something something on him about russia and they couldn't they couldn't get him okay you could still say even if you hate trump that that's wrong. You shouldn't turn the power of the surveillance state and the intelligence community onto um, any citizen, especially the sitting president of the United States, uh, on the hopes of trying to catch him in a crime he didn't commit. 
right? The presumed guilt over innocence justifies the violation of our constitutional rights, uh, of the president's constitutional rights, and ergo everybody's constitutional rights. Of course, that's been going on for a long time. Our constitutional rights have been violated. Yeah, well, going way back to the, let's just say the drug war, okay? Let's, I mean, that's, I'll, I'll, we can go back. I mean, we had the slavery, we had all that stuff. You know, we could go back centuries, every century, there's something, but let's just take last century, the century we just came out of. The biggest thing that this government, the United States government did, and thereby in, in uh, influencing the entire world government, was uh, the drug policy that it created. You know, the DEA went around to other countries and paid them off, told them to make dr- uh, weed more illegal. In countries where weed, like Cambodia, Cambodia, weed was consumed in the morning in a soup. It's like part of their culture to just have it and eat it. It's just a plant, a crop they grew. They criminalized it, made it illegal, drove the price of weed way up in the black market, created criminal enterprises. So now that there's money, there's violence attached to it, there's theft, there's crime. You're just basically criminalizing something that was not a crime. And uh, that's okay. See, we have no rights. Isn't it funny that we needed a constitutional amendment to prohibit alcohol? Because back then they realized this was actually, we need a constitutional amendment because it's going to violate people's rights. So we need, back then that's what they thought. That was a la- hundred years ago. A hundred years ago they thought this. Seems a little more, I don't know, rational and enlightened than now. Than now where we say, well, you know why the constitution is just a matter of interpretation as in whoever's in power can interpret it however they see fit. So there is no violation of constitutional rights. You have no constitutional rights. Your rights are whatever we say they are. That's why the Patriot Act, we should bring it back. It's fine. You know, we can restrict your speech. We can do you restrict that. Restrict that because it's not, they're not immutable, these rights. Rights are just what's given to you by the people in power. That's exactly what people in power want you to think. You understand the whole concept of this country was founded that there was no divine right, okay? There was no divine right of rule, that God can't just say kings are allowed to rule over you. You know why? Because everybody is equal and has natural rights. That's the fucking foundation of everything, and that's how we got to this point, and now we're demolishing the whole thing. Whatever. Okay, I'm I'm on a tirade about America. <laughs> <laughs> about the decline of America, about the decline of uh, the rule of law. I don't really, I mean, the rule of law, I'm not like this pro-cop guy where like law and order. You gotta, I mean, you used to smoke weed all the time when it was illegal. I do, I do you understand? I used to smoke. Uh, of course, I was doing it as a form of civil disobedience. I recognize that this, I did not uh, recognize this unjust law. You know why? Because the law only has so much power as to protect and uphold rights, but it does not have the power to violate your rights. So there are unjust laws. Slavery is the easiest one. That's why I'm kind of avoiding it, because it's just too easy and emotional. Slavery, just law or unjust law? Unjust law, should you follow the law to the letter? No. Is this a violation of the Constitution? I would say yes, if indeed the Constitution is about natural rights. Okay, The Declaration of Independence, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, codified you know, into the Bill of Rights and uh, so on and so forth. We've, uh, we don't, we're... anyways, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for, I mean, it, uh, shit is bonkers. And, you know, my whole thing is that race is just used to pit 
people against each other, to pit the have-nots against each other so that the haves can laugh all the way to the bank, right? They laugh all the way to the bank, ha, ha, ha. Um, the ruling class has used race, amongst other things, religion, to divide the populace so that they don't uprise together. They don't realize, oh, we should turn our ire onto them and not fight amongst each other. But as long as everything's phrased uh, racially, as long as everything's phrased where the cops, uh, you know, um, are targeting people by race in that way, what you do is you're dividing the people against each other when you should, what you should really understand is the cops target you by your socioeconomic status. Cops target the poor, you understand? And that's what's not being talked about at all. All this shit about, you know, black people, Black Lives Matter, Black you know, and there's no claim here. I'm not saying that black people don't matter. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying that it seems to me that the real issue here is the police use of force on the population, the increasing militarization of the police that started the drug war, continued in the war of terror when they're over militarized even more with real military gear. And now with COVID, they have the authority to um, be the Gestapo. Dude, in British Columbia, they, they, the cops are now allowed to ask you where you're going, why you're going there. What you're, they, they have the power to stop gatherings. They have the power to violate people's rights based on public health. They've been given the law, the state passed laws allowing them to do that, okay, in the, in the, in the name of safety or whatever the fuck. But, right, there's the old saying, those who sacrificed freedom for security deserve neither. Neither. I should have. He said it like that too. He kind of stumbled. Um, but I'll clean it up. Those who sacrificed their freedom for security deserve neither. You get it? Does that make sense to you? Do you know why? You want to see why? Well, we're seeing why. We're seeing why it's happening right now. Um, of course, uh, with Derek Chauvin being arrested, people are saying, "Well, that's not enough." Don't you think that this is justice? This isn't justice. This is, there's been so much injustice, and this is, which is kind of bizarre, right? You're saying uh, there's been so much injustice that even when we get justice, we won't recognize it as justice. Because <laughs> that kind of tells me everything I need to know that it's not, uh, that it's total war. It's not logical or rational at all. It's not about, um, you know, it's not about black lives. It's not about uh, police. It's not about well, all the things you're saying that you that it's like the criminal justice system. All these rational things. It's not about that at all. It's not because none of the underlying problems are being fixed or asked to be addressed. Like the drug war, you understand that these cops wouldn't be in these neighborhoods uh, without the drug war because there was no reason to arrest poor people for doing nothing. They couldn't arrest people for doing nothing, but if you made it that so you could arrest them for hanging out and smoking weed which poor people like to do outside, okay? Not just black people, Mexicans, white people. Poor people like to hang outside and smoke weed and get fucked up because what are they going to do in their homes? What are they going to do? They they don't have mansions. They don't have wings. They don't have armed guards. They don't have fucking whatever, you know, whatever rich people have. Uh, They don't have that stuff. They have each other. They have drugs. They hang out. They have fun. They make art. We gotta put a stop to this, they say. We gotta put a stop to this because, because marijuana, I mean, you know, not just marijuana, but marijuana leads to opening of minds, which leads to appreciation of art, maybe different cultures, which leads to 
people hanging out with each other, which leads to people fucking each other, which leads to people just realizing that this whole thing is bullshit. That's what they don't want. See, in Los Angeles in the 50s, um, or was it the 40s? I think it was the 50s. It was like the sort of second renaissance of jazz, right? There was a real bebop scene, beatniks and stuff. It was all on Central Avenue. At the same time, the LAPD militarized um, under, God damn it, the guy before Gates, two before Gates. I can't remember the guy's name. New police chief came, used a military model to crack down on these jazz clubs, on these desegregated, uh, just like, uh, whatever. They would consider them dissenters. They would consider, you know, they're kind of treat them like the Proud Boys or whatever. Now. You know, like they treat them like, <clears throat> these people are a scourge on society. You know, back then it was the 50s, so the liberal establishment was not a thing. The conservative establishment had locked down the culture. The culture war, all that, is before the 60s came, for all of that, you know, these are, it was harder to be a freak in the 50s than the 60s. In the 60s, it was cool. That's what the kids were doing. But in the 50s, you were like a fucking loser. You were an outcast. You were a weirdo. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, and the cops came in, broke that shit up, enforced segregation. In Los Angeles, enforced segregation. Okay, because why? Why? They were just there were a bunch of white and black people hanging out, smoking weed, hanging out, talking to each other, maybe sharing ideas, maybe realizing that they're the same kind of that that they have a common struggle against another enemy, notably the state, the police, who are coming to stop them from listening to jazz and smoking weed. Anyways, you understand the the whole thing is just. Um, a kfab that's what they call it a kfab in um wrestling right you know where they make uh they engineer the conflict those two wrestling guys are really buddies but they have this whole thing where they're like a good guy like a baby face and a heel and yeah they create the drama and whatever you know it's all and guess what everybody gets paid well vince mcmahon gets paid the most and then the wrestlers kind of get some stuff too but the wrestlers end up being fucked up for the rest of their lives anyways Here's a tweet by Valerie Jarrett that I responded to that's getting uh, a lot of uh, good responses. All right. So Valerie Jarrett said, A black teenage girl named Makia Bryant was killed because a police officer immediately decided to shoot her multiple times in order to break up a knife fight. Demand accountability. Fight for justice. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Ratio on this is bonkers. <clears throat> 770 likes. 7,000 comments. What? 1,700 retweet, retweets. I, this shit's gay. I don't like the fucking... Um, I'm not like a metric guy, but I just think it's funny. You know, the kids, they talk about the ratio, right? The ratio usually has to do with when people... When you say something so bonkers, people actually need to comment more than they like, right? Um, and in this case, it makes sense. I had to comment because it was such a bonkers thing she said. Because if you look at that, they released the cop cam footage. The the girl who got shot was literally half a second away from stabbing another girl. Another girl. There were two girls in question. Which And she's saying one is dead, but the other one was about to be killed. There's two girls. Two girls. Nobody cares about the one that's about to get stabbed. They only care about the one that got shot by the cop. How come? Maybe because it's convenient. Maybe because it's convenient. So I replied... She makes it sound like black people have casual knife fights all the time, <laughs> which, uh, you know, hundreds of likes. 
Boom. That's right. I don't really care. Um, I, I've quit all social media except for Twitter because on Twitter I get little internet points for saying funny things. On Facebook and Instagram, my, people I have met in real life start attacking me, <laughs> calling me racist. <laughs> uh, usually white people. Um, or sometimes black people. Usually, yeah, okay. Let's be fair. I'll be fair. All races have hated me or have attacked me or <laughs> have uh, called me um, whatever it is they think I am. They call me that. Okay? But you got to see what's going on here. Here you have Valerie Jarrett. She was a, a bureaucrat, a senior advisor to Obama. Uh, maybe the one of the architects behind Libya. I, it's a disaster. I mean, Libya where there's open-air slave markets. The slave markets in Libya, she helped do that, and she's talking about black lives. All right, whatever. I mean, you know, black lives matter only politically, not the ones that, not the ones over there, not the ones we killed, not those, not the ones that we enslaved. Those don't, no, those, don't, well, they matter in the sense of how much can I get for <laughs> I bet you Valerie Jarrett has stock in uh, Libyan slave markets. I bet she has. She's making a pretty penny. She's getting a little kickback from the. What, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Just got canceled. What? I I thought the bitch was white. Valerie Jarrett was also the uh, Muslim Brotherhood plus Planet of the Apes lady that Roseanne got canceled for. Right? They get she got canceled because everybody was like, "Oh, you can't compare to an ape. It's racist. It's racist. It's racist." And meanwhile, here Roseanne was high on Ambien, thinking Valerie Jarrett was white, watching Planet of the Apes, and it just all clicked on her that this is her. This is that bitch. I thought the bitch was white. Meanwhile, the entire world is actually racist and is projecting ape equals black people on into the mind of Roseanne when Ro Roseanne is obviously a crazy person. Okay, so obviously a crazy person who thought the bitch was white. I believe her. I believe her. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I believe her, and I don't believe Valerie Jarrett when she says Black Lives Matter. I don't think she does. Why would you do the Libya thing? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense why you would do that. <sighs> why don't you, if Black Lives truly matter, why not talk about the police who are militarized because of uh, your policies during, you know, your advice you may have given Obama? Because the police have not been demilitarized in those eight years. <clears throat> Isn't that strange? In the eight years Bush was in office, the police were militarized because of 9-11. The following eight years when Obama was in office, the police were not demilitarized. They were militarized more. In fact, the Obama years was when um, Trayvon Martin, well, that's not cops, Michael Brown, whatever, all the Black Lives Matter started under Obama. The, the cops were... <laughs> what did Obama do? He went to the public and said that could have been my son but it has nothing says nothing about the federal funding of all these police stations giving them all this military gear nothing about that nothing about that at all okay and what did the drug war do the drug war essentially turned um criminalized made criminals out of citizens that weren't criminals they weren't doing they're literally not doing it they're just hanging out now they're criminals okay what did the war on terror do the war on terror Turn those criminals, connected those criminals to en enemy combatants. Remember all the, the, your marijuana is funding terrorism. Remember drugs are funding terrorism. Drugs are funding terror. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that? You remember the little bit? So there's the connection, right? The, the police are now militarized. They're already criminalizing the normal people because of drugs. Now you connect drugs to terror. Now you connect those people to enemy combatants. 
now and then so you militarize the police right so now we're not the police are not there to protect and serve the police are not civil servants the police are now there to fight the people who are they fighting them for hmm who are they fighting against these people for could it be the ruling class? Could it be the class of people whose wealth has been super concentrated and they see this growing mass of poor, angry people and instead of passing any laws, laws, this law, this law stuff everybody's talking about, passing any of those to make things better for people, you know, I don't know what the fuck they're going to do, but to do something, maybe not ship everything over to China, I don't know. Whatever, instead of doing that, instead of doing that, you point out that uh, it's it's a race thing. You point out that it's race. Instead of thinking about who who are these cops protecting, actually? Like, why are they so militarized and who are they protecting? You don't think about that. Uh, they're protecting the power elite. Who's in power right now? Joe Biden? Is he in power? <laughs> There's some strange thing. That they're like, somehow the executive power doesn't extend all the way down from the president, who is the chief executive, all the way down to the other executive branches, notably the law enforcement branches like the ATF and the FBI or whatever. And that federal funding doesn't affect state and local funding at all. It's acting like that somehow the police are a separate insurgent group inside of America unjustly killing people when those same police are used by the ruling class to keep the rabble away from their gated communities. Not a single word about this. I mean, it's only crazy people like me or people who have been banned or the conservatives or whatever. It's just people who are not right thinkers. Wrong think. It's wrong thing to think this, right? <clears throat> wrong think. And that's where we are now. It's taken me 20 minutes to get to the subject, but what I want to talk about is my continuation of this Bitcoin is uh, themed podcast. It's not a series. Let's just call it a mini-series. Uh, this time, I want to just talk about, because of 420, because of my first red pill. My first red pill was green. It was cannabis, right? And now that I am orange-pilled, all these pills are combining. Green pill, red pill, orange pill, all combining, making me see that it's the same pill. It's just the capsule's different, but the, the medicine's the same. So, yes, the title of this, episode 20 minutes in, finally I'll get to it, is, uh, God, I ramble, huh, is Bitcoin is cannabis, okay? Bitcoin is cannabis. And like, all right, come on, that's a little bit of a strategy. Bitcoin is weed, what are you saying? You can smoke it, man. You can be out of it. No, but I think the, the metaphor holds. Okay, because the point of me going on and on about the cops and the drug war and the sort of uh, militarization of them and the propaganda and all of that um, is, of course, to get to Bitcoin because all roads lead to Bitcoin. And so here you go. Look. See how I was saying like the drug war combined with the terror war in the sense that they were saying um, drugs fund terror. Well, now... What's the, um, what's the narrative now? The narrative now is that crypto funds terror. Bitcoin, specifically, Bitcoin funds nefarious activities, funds terror, right? That's always, it's always the key. I mean, somehow if we could connect COVID to terror, like it was terrorists who released COVID, 
which maybe they could do with the Chinese. Maybe they'll do it. I don't know. But I'm just saying, that's that's all you need. You got to make these connections, right? You connect it because you want to militarize everything, trying to militarize so that you can see that there is an economic war coming. There's an economic war in there's an economic war going on. Okay. Did you, you think that uh, all this stuff going on right now is just whatever you don't you know, it's not being talked about, but there uh there's definitely um going to be a financial war. I mean, there is one. I contend that there is one, okay? And that um all of our military excursions are actually extensions of this economic war this is not i'm not some genius who came up with this read confessions of an economic hitman okay read um war's racket by smedley butler like read you know these are all from last century before the fucking uh war on terror you know these are people talking about how the economic system is leveraged against other uh countries right you got to fucking trade with us. You got to not trade with them. You got to use dollars to buy oil. You got to do this and that. We tell people what to do. And if you don't, you're cut out. Okay. Well, you get cut out. Well, first, what we try to do is put in people who are friendly. If you can't do that, then we'll cut you out. Then we'll try to assassinate people. Then we may use our military, you know, maybe try to foment a coup. If that doesn't work, then we go to war. Okay. So that's sort of. Smedley Butler outlined this. Fucking, I think his name is John Perkins. Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Check it out. Um, that they talk about that. You know, he talks about South America, Ecuador, United Fruit, uh, Standard Oil. Like all these companies came in to secure the richest parts of South America. And guess who they used to do it? The U.S. military. Okay, so the military has traditionally been the extension of uh, empire. I mean, that's just sort of the only reason to be on somebody else's shores and to say you're fighting for their freedom. But it's really to extend power, your hegemony. Extend it, right? And that's just what we want to do. Um, and in that same way, we did that with the drug war. We did it with cannabis. Cannabis is interesting because it became marijuana, right? Cannabis was a well-known thing. Everybody knew what it was. Everybody used it all the time. It was a harmless drug. Everybody knew that, like, you can't really die from it. You might trip out. You might go crazy. You might, but you're not going to die. You get really hungry, but you're not going to die. Everybody knew this because everybody grew cannabis. George Washington grew cannabis. Hemp. Sweet hemp, right? Abraham Lincoln was, like, one of my favorite things to do is to sit on my rocking chair with my harmonica and my sweet hemp pipe, right? And just... That's just what, you know, people did that. That's good. Because what else are you going to do? You either drink booze or get high. And drinking booze was something you did all the time because there was no clean water. So you're always drunk. So what are you going to do? Take the edge off. Smoke some weed. And back then, the weed wasn't crazy like it is now. It was basically kind of like mids. There's probably some good good kind of sewer. I, I can imagine Jefferson, Washington, and, of course, the slaves they had who probably did all the work. Um, and probably made the discoveries too. I mean, the slaves, fucking, come on. You don't think they like good weed? Of course. Weed, of course, you know, you see how that leads into jazz, the sort of consciousness expanding thing, and jazz, how that kind of broke the boundaries between races through art, and people started hanging out, the beatnik culture, the fucking freak culture, the hippie culture, like all these cultures, fucking rock of the 70s, you know, it was just kind of permutating everything, the Cheech and Chong of the fucking 70s and 80s, you know, all this stuff, it's just fucking Cypress Hill, it's coming in, it's like, it's everywhere, it's like, every, you know, now it's legal in some states, The that part of the drug war is capitulating but 
Not a single word from the state, not a single word from the media, not a single word from the cops, probably not a single word from your parents about the whole thing was bullshit. The whole thing was bullshit. We were just all lying. We didn't even know we were lying about it, but we were lying about weed. We were saying weed kills brain cells. Weed is bad. Weed kills chromosomes. Weed does this. Weed will make you crazy. Weed will do bad. Weed will do bad. You know, and it's just like, and none of it is based on data. All the data shows that alcohol has much more harmful um, side effects or outcomes or whatever, more deaths, more zero deaths to weed. I mean, but that doesn't matter. Of course, you make people irrational, right? You don't, that way they don't look at data. They don't look at it. They just listen to the authorities. The, the man in the box said weed is bad, so now weed is bad. The man in the box said terror is bad, so now terror is bad. The man in the box said COVID is bad, so now COVID is bad. The man in the box said police are bad. See, see what's going on? It's just this uh, rote repetition of what the people in power are telling you. Rich people. Rich people in tubes. Rich people on screens. These rich people have nothing to do with you. Nothing to... They don't care about you. They don't care about you, but they're using your emotions against you. Using your emotions to shape reality. Using your emotions to project shadows on the wall. And then demonizing, turning on, killing the people who try to come and take you away from that wall. And go, look, look, look at this. Look at this. And so cannabis... Of course, you know, it's been called the gateway drug and it's been called this and that. And in some ways it is. I think cannabis is more than that. I think cannabis is instrumental to human consciousness. I honestly think that cannabis and human consciousness developed side by side, just as fire, you know, led to, I think they're theorizing that, you know, us making fire led to the increase of our brain size because we can absorb more protein, absorb more nutrients, absorb more stuff. It made us more efficient. Okay. And just like agriculture, in a lot of ways, taught us how to organize society, taught us how to make a food source that we had a surplus of, gave us, you know, all this stuff. I think cannabis was probably, I think that Carl Sagan thought this, uh, that it was probably the first agricultural plant. I think cannabis was the first agricultural plant. Well, you could eat it, okay? You could smoke it, you know, you could get intoxicated from it, you could eat it, it was, you could use a hemp. It was very useful. You could see the, the utility of it. That utility gave it value. Right, I think uh, cannabis, uh, the way it, uh, the psychedelia of cannabis, this dissociative nature, the whatever, the the psychopharmacology of cannabis helped create a base layer of human consciousness. Okay, I think uh, other psychedelics like mushrooms, whatever, are sort of other layers added on top of that. But I think. Cannabis was the foundation because it's so easy to grow. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's so it's har- har- pretty harmless. Like you know, it, it, I can see it being part of what created maybe the structures of memory we have. I mean, there's something really interesting about the way cannabis affects memory that nobody understands and nobody knows. Something about the way cannabis affects memory uh, and storytelling, right? That's uh, creativity. Uh, the way it uh, hunger. Right. Like it's just like these things that it stimulates. These are stimulative things that you could see forming the base layer of what we call human consciousness. This idea of thinking of things, the idea of having uh, mental objects, the idea of being able to communicate things to each other in abstract forms and absurd forms. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of giggling and laughing. I mean, cannabis to me is sort of the base layer of consciousness that also led to comedy, 
right? Because of the pointing out of contradictions, because the pointing out of facts, because the pointing out like you know there you know if you believed in a sun god back then, and you got really high, you could be like, what if that's just like a big ball of fire? <laughs> You'd laugh because that seems silly. You laugh. Right, thousands of years later, I guess it is a big ball of fire. Isn't that crazy? Okay, so I think it is. Uh, it was the base layer of a new form of consciousness that got us from hunter gatherers, um, f- fire users, and stuff like that, and um, made it made us more um, farmers, agricultural. Uh, as farmers, we understood seasons. As farmers, we understood had to start grasping time. You know, as farmers, we are um, lowering our time preference. See this whole thing about time preference from the Austrian economics and Seifedean uh, Amus, like <clears throat> in the Bitcoin standard. Uh, you know, he talks about how like you lower your time preference to understand that you gotta like save, you gotta like uh, prepare, you gotta, you know. And annual crops helped us understand the cyclical nature of time. You know how the sun affects things, you know, photosynthesis, all this stuff, you know, all these advancements in thinking and technology and all that stuff, right? Coming from a new base layer of consciousness and a new network that sort of formed, right? This cannabis network. Um, I think also cannabis, similarly to Bitcoin, it threatens the status quo. It threatened it. I mean, I think that was one of the reasons why it was made illegal. It, was, uh, um, it created unity amongst people. It dropped pretenses. People were less susceptible to fear and advertising. People, stoners are really, lo- watching commercials is one of the first times you start breaking through the matrix when you're high. When you watch a commercial, you realize, oh my God, look at all, the- they're fucking lying. They're just selling me shit. They're just fucking lying. They're just manipulating. You know, you just kind of see that. You guys, you know, and it's funny, but you see that and it starts opening your eyes. And I think that that's threatening. That threatens the status quo. Just like when the cops came to break up, you know, the jazz clubs on Central Avenue. It, it's a threat. Threat to the establishment. Divide and conquer is the name of the game. What, the way to undo divide and conquer is to unify. It's a big threat. The other thing that it was... Um, I think it's dan- it, it, the other thing that's similar between Bitcoin and marijuana is that they both have this danger of being co-opted, right? So for the longest time, marijuana was um, demonized, ostracized. It's never, you know, it's just if you even smoked weed, like Elon Musk smoked a blunt on the Joe Rogan podcast, and then his stock tanked because people are like, oh no, you know, like so. These stigmas exist, and these things exist because of all the propaganda, and I think similarly. Bitcoin has been undergoing a lot of propaganda, a lot of demonizing, but ultimately will be adopted, and ultimately there will be attempts to co-opt it by corporations in the state, just like marijuana is now. You know, corporations are starting to run marijuana. The government wants their cut of it. Same thing is going to happen with Bitcoin. You know, And I think in some ways the white pill, the optimism, hope that I have of like Bitcoin, for instance, becoming more part of uh, the mainstream is just the way cannabis is, you know, cannabis is, I think the one thing that's great about America is that the bottom line is all that's important. If it makes you money, it's got people just, they won't even mention the thing they just said. They'll tell you, they'll be like, this is for Nazis. And then it, once it starts making them money, they'll be like, but Nazis are gone. Nazis are overrated. You know, the Americans love money more than anything else. And so I can see Bitcoin, being invited into the state house 
being invited into the governor's mansion, being invited into the White House, you know, just being just being just like weed, just, just being incorporated. And by the nature of weed, weed doesn't need to sell itself. Weed'll just happen. It'll just happen. People will naturally try it, smoke it, and see that, oh, all the shit they're saying was lies. Start to open your eyes, right? And Bitcoin is similar. Bitcoin similarly will start coming into the balance sheets of the treasuries, of corporations, of people's net worths, and people will start to see, oh, this is better. This is not what they were saying it was. This is actually a better form of money. It's, it's naturally going to happen. It's just natural adoption. It's the same way we got electricity, right? People just naturally just gravitate toward convenience, for better technology. It's just, that's just human nature. So I think it's going to happen. So I think that's, you know, hey, great. That's great for you and me and whoever who's getting in early now, right? And who's sort of understanding that Bitcoin isn't like a stock. It's not something you're putting money into to get more money out of. The whole thesis is that the money is bad. So what do you want more money for, right? People talk about like um, this outperforms this, cannabis stocks, whatever. This is like this stuff is outperforming Bitcoin, outperform, outperforming in what? dollars the whole point is that the whole point is that you don't want dollars um in the long run in the short term you do you need dollars to spend but in the long run treasuries will convert to bitcoin treasure you know people are going to convert their savings to bitcoin they're going to just because it's a better asset class just like people who do opiates turn to marijuana end up doing marijuana to kick their opiate addiction a lot of people have used marijuana to kick other addictions whatever it's just it's just a better alternative. It's sustainable. You get you don't have to be a complete teetotaler, you know. You get some people do, and that's fine. But I'm just saying, it's there. It's coming in, you know. I think you know, uh, cannabis, very similar. I think cannabis. Look, weed is um, what is it doing? It it's a plant. It takes energy and turns it into value, just like Bitcoin mining does takes electricity, turns it into Bitcoin, right? You're harnessing electricity, harnessing the solar power um, that's everywhere and turning it into something that's useful, okay? Lowers time preference, you know? And, oh, I think the last thing that Bitcoin and cannabis is very similar in is that it empowers sovereignty. It empowers the individual, actually breaks you free from the construct you get to you kind of like it takes you outside the system it makes you realize there is a system and then gives you the option or not to participate you know once i started smoking weed uh this is back in the 90s in la this is you know the high point of the drug war there was it wasn't it was nothing like the way it is now where it's legal it was you would get arrested you know if they smelled it the cops would come after you you'd be like hiding you know it was just highly illegal you know and so i would have to just act like i'm a normal person i don't smoke weed i'm a normal person i don't do drugs and then secretly have to go and do it and then act like yeah whatever drugs are bad whatever and then deep down inside i knew it wasn't you know it's creating uh hypocrisy creating hypocrisy and then you don't really like that nobody likes that right you uh, hypocrisy kind of reveals that one there's a truth and a lie going on at the same time and it seems like most people who aren't psychopaths would naturally gravitate toward what's true it's just more comfortable it's just better it's easier it's less work it's you know it's more it's more real 
whatever real is. I mean, we're all sharing a delusion of what real is, but it's at least closer. It's like listening to the guy trying to rip you away from the shadows on the wall in the cave going outside. I mean, maybe that's an illusion too. Maybe that's the whole thing, but that's a little more solid or real, quote unquote, than what you were just being. At least you have the choice. You can be like the dude, uh, you can be like Joey Pants in the Matrix where he just goes deep. He's like, I know it's fake and I don't care. I'm going, but I love this steak. I'm going in, right? You could do that, but at least that's the choice. So there's some sovereignty. I don't know. I feel like there that's an important thing that's going to be coming up. I mean, especially like with this whole um, narrative of race, right? That like black people do this and do this. It, it takes all the agency away from people that they're systemic white racism controlling everything that you know nothing you do is because of your success everything is because of the structure of racism that either allowed you or didn't allow you i mean it it doesn't allow for any agency it doesn't allow and it's because i think ultimately the people pushing this stuff they don't believe in it they believe either in the power of the state the power of elites the power of propaganda they believe in lying to people to get their way they believe in they believe in telling you that don't wear masks because we need the masks for the people and now wear the mask because you know they they don't they're not gonna tell you anything straight not telling you anything straight and that's why you should regard all of them with distrust doesn't mean you know or trust but verify as the bitcoiners and russians like to say like you know if you're gonna trust people verify it don't just blindly accept stuff I mean, even me, you you better not be blindly accepting everything I have to say because I could be a propagandist for the CIA. I could be, I am in the CIA. I am now in the CIA and this whole thing has been a psyop. If you've listened this far, um, congratulations. You have figured out that this whole thing has been a psychological operation designed to confuse you, <laughs> to design... <laughs> to keep you afraid uh no i that's the last thing honestly this is the last thing i want i wish i was i mean i don't know what i would do if the cia came and offered me money maybe if they offered me bitcoin how many bitcoin how much bitcoin would they have to offer me <laughs> in order to 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 engage in a psychological operation i don't know that's one for the ages does everybody have a price i mean in essence maybe it depends on what you price things in well, for instance, you price things in time. If someone could offer you extra time, let's say for a loved one who's dying, let's say for someone, you know, I don't know, let's just say precious, precious time. What would you do for it? I don't know. This is, I feel like, is a different philosophical question altogether. Straying away from the subject, Bitcoin is cannabis. I'm like, yeah, all right, you fucking stoner. Uh, everything is cannabis, is it? Everything is. Yes. Yes. Everything is everything. Don't you see? You see the connections? When you see that, you see everything is everything. Then you see that the enemy is you, and you are the enemy, the people you hate. Who do you hate the most? Trump. You hate Trump. Oh, he sucks. Trump. I hate him. Well, that's you. That's a mirror. You got to understand that. Everything is everything. We're all connected. There is no war. There is no enemy. There is no those people are bad. Those people are good. Those are bad. You know, there is that. These are all, they're all people. Okay, so even people like Valerie Jarrett, even these evil people who want to just fucking destroy people's lives over their power, hunger, you know, whatever. Um, I don't think it's productive to view them in the lens of good and evil. I think that they think they're doing good. I think they're just human beings. They are acting out of self-interest and they are acting out of the um, understanding or delusion, whatever you want to say, that them doing that is good that they're good people doing this and these 
okay? What I have disdain for, of course, is the divide and conquer strategy. What I have disdain for is the looking down on the normies and the commoners or whatever, this sort of elitist mindset that engineering is the key, you know, to fixing people, that people naturally can't on their own through ingenuity, through hanging out with each other and smoking weed, come up with cooler and better shit, which is exactly what's been going on for all of humanity. Okay, so I don't know. So is there a war? Yeah, there's kind of a war because they're doing it. It's a war they have, but the only way to win is to not play. And that doesn't mean to not engage and to not speak and not whatever. It just means don't play the game that's set up. There's a very obvious game set up where there's two sides. You join one side. One side thinks the other's bad. The other side thinks the other's bad. And you just it's, it's perpetual. It's no different than the race thing that they use to divide people. It's no different than anything. Like religion, you know, whatever. All these things used to divide people. Just don't play that game. Don't play the game. I think people will naturally gravitate to centers where they feel free, where they feel and that freedom the safety they get from that freedom outweighs the safety they get from losing their freedom. I think people will ultimately gravitate to freer places. That's what's happening now. That's why everybody's moving to Florida, right? That's what's happening. So ultimately that will also happen in the landscape of the mind, right? Consciousness. Hopefully the cannabis revolution, which is forming, reforming a new perhaps an alternate base layer of consciousness away from this sort of fiat brain system, right? Away from this sort of materialist, uh, away from this sort of like, I don't know, just not chill way of doing stuff, right? I think things are changing. And just like Bitcoin is providing uh, a new base layer for money, you know, I think these new base layers are coming. Uh, Paradigm shifts are occurring. We're in the middle of it. We're in the middle. uh, We're in the fourth turning, right? We don't know what the new, what's out. We're in the tunnel. We're in the river of shit right now. We just got to get through that tunnel and get to Mexico. All right? The Shawshank Redemption. Just got to get there. And that's that's where we're, we're at. We have no idea where we are in the tunnel. We just know we're in one. And hopefully, through the other side, is something better. I believe it will be. Okay? I'm eternally optimistic, probably because of cannabis. Probably because I'm so high right now. <laughs> I'm so high right now. All I can think are positive thoughts. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I have hope. I do. And it wasn't until I found weed. It wasn't until I found comedy. It wasn't until I found jujitsu. It wasn't until I found Bitcoin where I realized these hopes were not unfounded, that I wasn't just some Pollyanna, pie in the sky, dreaming of something. You know, that, that no, these are actual rational beliefs. I see it. I see it. I mean, and, and the more I'm being told that what I see is not real, the more suspicious I become of the people telling me that as opposed to my own reality. And I encourage you to do the same. We're all capable of critical thinking. We're all capable of seeing for ourselves and judging what's actually going on, despite what everybody else is saying. Right? And if you've ever smoked weed, there you go. That's, that should show you. That should be the key to unlock everything. And aside from that, just buy some Bitcoin too. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash Rojan and start. That's my referral link. Do it. Um, All right, guys. I think that's it. I've rambled and rambled. And perhaps this is as far as I can ramble. 
Um, thank you so very much. Thank you very much for listening to the Rojan Kim cast. Um, please follow me on Twitter where you can see me make hilarious jokes uh, to really powerful people. <laughs> and hopefully not, I don't know, have the cops called on me or something. Or the SWAT team come just like AOC did to that guy. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Or if it does, I think the engagement will be great. I think they'll be great for my numbers. Great for my... <laughs> If you've had a clicks, will go through the roof. Um, anyway, uh, follow me on Twitter, rojakin.com. And that's about it. Please subscribe and review and like all that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, goodbye.